You are listening to the One of Us.net Podcast Network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. George Miller, outside of the Mad Max films, has had a mixed career of content. I mean, like, there's definitely not everything he's done has been great, for sure. Oh, come on. There's a clear line from Mad Max to Happy Feet. Come on. <laughs> no, I like Happy Feet, too. I don't think... Not too, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that one's fine as well. Good Lord, this is going to get complicated fast. But my point being, so, oh, George Miller's doing this uh, fantasy film. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's pretty much just Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba. Hello. I what? mean, is there anything wrong with that? No, that's what I'm saying. I'm going, that was the attention grabber. I went, oh, I'm seeing that. Yeah. You know, Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton together on screen the whole time. You'll never my, guess which one's the genie. <laughs> two, of my favorite, two of my favorite performers. Yeah. Like intense, interesting performers. Now, Idris Elba has had a very mixed career in trying to make successful film stuff. Like TV, he did great. But then a lot of the films he starred in didn't turn out all that great unfortunately yeah he's made weird choices and so that made me nervous because i'm like i don't think he has a great agent tilda swinton has no fucks to give she's just like this i haven't done this before let's try this and pretty much she's got like a 70 percent rate i think so yeah no everything she's ever done at best is probably an interesting failure and (laughs) you might be able to describe this movie that way although i think that's too strong But this is definitely, to your point, this is definitely going to hit certain people differently. People who see the poster that says, from the director of Mad Max Fury Road, those are two sets of expectations. If you're thinking, oh, Mad Max Fury Road, or you're thinking, ooh, George Miller, and whichever one of those appeals to you most is probably going to determine how you feel about this movie. I feel like it should be from a guy who really liked those issues of the Sandman that were just short stories. Because <laughs> that's totally what this felt like The to first me. half of it feels like kind of a Mad Max movie, a little bit. Or, or at least really? From, well, at least from the, the director of a Mad Max movie where there's there's a lot of craziness and there's a lot of great visuals. I kind of um, agree. Like the energy, yeah. like the creativity, mm-hmm. like the pace in which it's going. Well, yeah. we're talking about 3,000 Years of Longing. I haven't said the title uh-huh. yet. And joining me, Chris, is... Drew, Marco, Alan. Although there are plenty of other characters in this, it's largely through flashbacks and storytelling, because the idea here is that Tilda Swinton plays a a very popular narratologist. An actual field of study. Is it actually? I thought they made it up. No, no, no. It is actually the study of narrative structure. Okay. At this point, she just flies around the world and gets it because she's very famous and gets paid to talk about myth and legend and, you know, whether or not they still have value, basically, and what they are compared to, like, today's myths and legends, like comic books and superheroes and and that sort of thing. And she's happy enough doing this, but she's kind of given up on having much more because she was once married to someone 
That asshole left her for someone younger. Her response was just cut off her emotional side entirely. I'll never have love again. That's fine. I'm good with that. should have seen that coming. It's the oldest story in the book. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Where is it? Like Morocco or somewhere? I can't remember where she is. Istanbul. Istanbul. Not Constantinople. Not Constantinople. Very important uh, difference. Alethea, her character, she's like going around the the market and she just uh, picks out this cool kind of weird looking like glass container she finds at a market, takes it home, opens it. And guess what? It's got a genie in it. The wildly oversized at first Idris Elba, who's literally like just sort of folded into the hotel room, barely fitting in it, who gradually shrinks, fortunately, because that could have been awkward to, to film. And is like, yes, I am just like the stories. I am the genie in the bottle. I can give you three wishes. But here's the deal. Like, please, please. Give me three wishes to yes. fulfill, please. He is bound to her until all of her wishes are fulfilled. Yes. And he, that is really the crux of the matter, because somehow, despite having existed for thousands and thousands of years in different civilizations since the dawn of mankind, has never found anyone to do all three of their wishes. It's a little different from... I guess the genie lore that I know of. Because my idea is like you get three wishes and then the genie goes back in the bottle and whoever else gets it. And there's always like monkey's mm-hmm. paw type situation. Maybe it's out there. I just don't know. Like the three wishes and it kind of frees them once they commit their duty. Because that's the idea, right? right? Once he's done with these wishes, he could just go off and be a genie in well, the genie world. I guess he goes to, yeah, he goes to genie heaven or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Well, but, she uh, released him. So she did him a solid. So right. now... He's bound to return yeah, the favor. Yeah, like that's it. At least I'm not in the freaking bottle now. So yeah. like her whole thing, she never tell it. She studies stories and she knows all about the genie stories and she knows about the monkey's paw stuff. And like, you have to word your wishes exactly right. And the genie is trying to fuck you over type of thing. But the question here is, is he? Because he's been doing this for so long and he just wants someone to finish their fucking wishes. So he yeah, can she's kind of in her own bottle too. Like, I mean, they're, they're, the whole movie is really kind of about loneliness, I think. And it's kind of, it's a little scary when you, when Idris Elba in, in a beautiful performance, I think it's one of his best performances, mm-hmm. uh, talks about how long he's been in that bottle. Uh, and, and I think Tilda Swinton can relate to that a little bit. She hasn't been in there for thousands of years, but she's been, you know, alone for a long time as well. Which relates, of course, I think it, in a timely way to the fact we all went through a lot of isolation with COVID, you know, it's like, oh, I, I get that. That's oh, true, shit, yeah. can't, don't leave the house, don't talk to anybody. But like for him, Jesus has been like, he's in the bottle for hundreds of years, sometimes thousands at a stretch. And she, through her questioning of him, of going like, well, I'm not going to give any wishes until I get some answers from you. Like, what is your right. deal, sir? So it ends up a series of like flashback storytelling with him narrating, with him talking about the Queen of Sheba, the slave girls of Suleiman the Magnificent, lots of women that have opened the bottle, especially who are like, yeah, I'm going to fuck Idris Elba. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're sipping from that I mean, bottle because the bad. thirst yeah. is real for Idris Elba. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't think I will do my third wish so I can keep fucking you. <laughs> Which, you know, kind of shucks, sucks to be Idris Elba in that position, I guess. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the most interesting aspect about this, in my opinion, is that story mechanic. I know it's inspired by a, a short story by A.S. Byatt. I've never read it, and it's something George Miller's wanted to do for 20 years, but that short story itself is inspired by the Arabian Nights, or A Thousand and One Nights, which is about a woman who puts off her execution every day by telling the Sultan a story. She just keeps doing that until after A Thousand and One Nights, he falls in love with her and says, you know what, I'm not going to kill you. She's doing something similar here, the, the Tilda Swinton character, because now she has a framing device to go, oh, you know what, I'm not going to set you free. 
I'm going to stretch this out as long as possible by making you tell me a story. And it's that same thing of just using storytelling, the power of storytelling to prolong life. It's an interesting idea. I'm not sure Miller knew how to end his story, yeah, though. That's the problem here, because ultimately it is about these two characters who don't really trust each other. Certainly, they both have every reason not to trust people or genies, as it were. And slowly starting to have an understanding of each other, the genie of her through the questions she asks and her responses to his questions and her through him and learning his whole history and what he really wants, like what his experiences, how they have shaped him. I think that the unfortunate thing here is this film feels like they need to have a connection past that at some point. And that third act just kind of falls into this cliched sort of subset of like fantasy romance films. Yeah, that it, I went. it starts to feel like the type of thing, like you get to have like a really pulpy, like novel cover, mm-hmm. like a, like a muscular genie yeah. holding a woman. Like right. the, the third act kind of gets into that zone. I mean, I will give it a little more credit. It has a more interesting take on that type of romance and a little more mature, like grown up sure. idea of that. I would never have guessed from the first and second act of this movie and the way it was like being told that that's where we were going and not in a good way, not in a good way. Like, Oh man, it really surprised me. I went this way. It just was never leading me there. And it might've been doing that, but there's something about the chemistry between them never felt exactly on. And maybe that it's part of the point of the movie too. Like, I don't want to like get into like spoiler territory, the third act. So the fact that the chemistry is clunky kind of works because he's obviously a genie and she's just like a lonely person. They're it, both kind of asexual. Yeah. You know, and it does, and it's, it doesn't work in both ways. The purpose of the story might for it to be a little awkward, but that's not really fun to watch or it's not really entertaining. It's not satisfying to watch either. Yeah. There goes from like a, a real big sense of adventure in the first half of it. And then the, the last half kind of feels like an old married couple that, yeah. are, that are together. Yeah. So like an interesting it, sitcom premise. I mean, right. I kind of yeah. like that though. The idea of like, this is not a, hot and torrid romance so much as it's it's about companionship yeah, i mean she loves him for these stories obviously he's idris elba obviously she's turned on by him <laughs> but as a narratologist as a student of literature here is this living textbook of classic tales that have never been told to anyone before and she's all about it and it's a very you know myth-making world the genie is not the only source of, of magic in this world there's lots of tales of other magicians people who've confounded him with their own magical abilities and demons and what have you which really does add to that feeling of like this feels super neil gaiman-ish yeah the the whole like crux of this the past mixing with the present the fantasy but made real and i love all that stuff in fact i was really deeply in love with the first two-thirds of this film i think the problem's not where they went it's how long it took once they decided to go there for to actually finish it feels like a very sharp turn a real slam on the brakes and maybe like a bit of a reverse and then taking an exit. Right. Like it's like they kind of got past the point where we should have been staring in this direction. Like yeah. narratively, thematically, and it's like emotionally. This is a weird thing. Like, um, I noticed in the movie, because the movies are made in editing, especially with George Miller. Like the whole thing about Ferry Road is like he would just shoot exactly what he knows because he knows how he's going to edit in and like the insane set pieces. The back half of this movie, the edits all start to become like fade outs and fade ins. Like yeah. now this scene is over and it's like, it's- it kind of shows like, Oh man, we don't have the movie shots. Like the way that we can really tell it fluidly. And we just need to like kind of fade in out of these little couplets to move the story along. There's a failure somewhere along the road to like get this thing like cohesive. Cause mm-hmm. there are chunks of the movie that feel like dead on and like in a master's hand, especially in those storytelling segments where. Idris Elba's character is telling these stories. Like, those are my favorite parts of it. And those are really all this story of the king who was, like, obsessed with whatever. I forget, like, the details of his 
obsession and his brother who's <laughs> obsessed with a different thing. That all feels like a very cohesive story. And like he shot everything he needed for that. The story is told and it flows really well. And the stuff at the end, it's just like, oh, fuck, I don't I know mean, what to do here. All, all the tales of antiquity are interesting, but they're more visually interesting than they are narratively interesting. They are very short, very sketchy type mm. stories. The whole time we flash back to the age of uh, legend, basically, I kind of felt like, wow, this really feels like an outtake from all the Esso sequences in Game of Thrones. Like <laughs> This is like a kingdom Daenerys probably conquered. Easily because they clearly didn't have a big enough budget. <laughs> yeah, see, I, those are my favorite parts of the movie, and I know what you mean, like production. Too, like, yeah, but, but this is something clearly, really charming about it. What really impressed me about this is that this is such an obvious. Uh, I think it was Martin who said it's like one for you, one for me. Yeah, this feels like this is what you give the director of Fury Road after its success. So he has something to do while prepping the prequel to the sequel to the <laughs> previous sequel of another Mad Max trilogy, oh, poor whatever. Mar- poor Marco, you just had to review the Irma Vep series. Yeah, too. I know. I, yeah, my okay. brain nearly broke trying to describe it. It's but, a film about a film about a film, film but yeah. it's also a series about the film about yeah. a film about a film that's a new film about the film yeah, about a film about a it's film. It's twisty. This is not nearly as meta. <laughs> no, not as meta. But yeah, I mean, this feels like a perfect example of a director who we know has been wanting to do this for over 20 years. He co-wrote this with his daughter. This is a family project and a labor of love. And probably, I don't know the budget, but I imagine it's pocket change next to Fury Road or Furiosa. I don't think it ever looks cheap watching it at all. And I think they do a great job with that. I mean, the set decorator and costumer should be applauded. The the scenes in the past are beautiful. They're lavish. You know, uh, the scenes in Istanbul, same thing. I mean, I feel it really effectively puts you there. But again, that's the thing. It's like you have a great story that is like almost like a shaggy dog story. Cause you're like the whole time they're telling you, this is probably where it's going. But then when it does exactly that pretty much, you're like, Oh, yeah, they probably needed like an, another tie-in or another like edit going into like an, an epic adventure like in the third act too and kind of flashing them back again to make those wipes that you're saying alan to, to work a little Something, bit better yeah it happens a lot though with the like, dream projects where if you have 20 years 30 years to ruminate on something and probably all kinds of meetings all kind of development deals that don't work and then suddenly you get to make the movie maybe you're not yeah. even ready for it it's tough and it's you've, you've played the movie in your head so many different times and maybe he's not happy with it either you know? i'm trying to pick the alternate third act that's like the department of gin control that like comes <laughs> well, in well, there, then... <laughs> there's an interesting element that comes late in the picture about maybe halfway through there's a suggestion that the gin draw their energy somehow from like the electromagnetic realm and living in the modern era he's just bombarded by all of this and this idea that you know this ancient storytelling this ancient creature of legend is kind of unable to adjust to, you know, satellite signals. That was a cool idea. No, and I'm like, oh, where's that going? It's like mm. being a- allergic to cedar and moving to Austin. Yeah. Yeah. You're like constantly like, oh, God, this is always hanging around. I can't not Put think me about it. back in the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go to final thoughts. Uh, Drew, why don't you get us started? It kind of feels like a play. I could really watch Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton in a hotel room for a, a long time, and I would love to see it as a play at, at some point. So I, I like envisioning that, and I do like all the like really over-the-top fantasy elements to it early on. But really, if you want to watch two great performances, and I really do think Idris Elba is fantastic in it, and Tilda is this kind of Tilda. She's always just great, um, and, and I thought Idris Elba um, was kind of the reason to watch this. Overall, I'd probably give it 6.5 Barbara Edens out of 10. <laughs> Alan? I agree with you there on the performances. And like George Miller, he's a master director. It's a passion project. And I love that he does things like 
Happy Feet and Mad Max and fucking Babe too. Like he's just like whatever he finds is interested and he's like I'm gonna do it. He's a master of the art form and he took a big swing, a passionate swing, and this it's a failure though. Like it, the movie really doesn't work. It's a line drive. I'll give you. It's not yeah. a home run. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> and it just doesn't quite. I came into it kind of dubious because like, I haven't really heard much fanfare about it. We did see it pretty early before any fanfare to be drummed Way up. early. But nothing was really like pulling. It was like, I should be more excited. It's a new George Miller movie. And like his last movie is like one of the best movies of the decade. Mm-hmm. So like, let's go, right? And as I was watching it, first act, second act, I was like, you know what? Is this going to be like one of my favorite movies of the year? It's like really weird, really ambitious and strange. And it's really imaginative. And then it just like comes to a halt and the movie just kind of just doesn't work. And the trailer is fantastic. All that like built up and it was, I was pretty bummed out about it, but I'm not so bummed that I'm going to like shit on this movie because I love taking swings and not just staying in comfort zones that George Miller does all the time. So I'll give it a solid seven out of 10 large genies in a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> that sex scene would have been even more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marco? Depending on which scale they were at, because <laughs> that could be really weird. Uh, <laughs> believe me, somebody's going to be turned on by an eight foot tall intercell. I don't know. I saw what happened in the beginning of the third season of The Boys, and that can go bad real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've kind of said what I had to say about it, and I'm piggybacking off of what these guys have already told you all. There's some great stuff in here. It's it's wonderfully imaginative. It's well-designed, even with its obvious smaller budget. Clearly, George Miller has a great eye. Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton are always captivating to watch. And putting them together, as far as I know, maybe the first time they've ever done something together, I'd really love to see more of that. Because about half of this movie really is just the two of them in a hotel room. Unfortunately, for a story that's about storytelling... The Jin stories need to be a little bit more interesting for there to be a real payoff, especially at the end, when I feel like they didn't, like Alan said, it didn't feel like they had a cohesive ending in mind, although they hinted at things. By the way, also, did anybody think it was kind of weird that, you know, this middle-aged white lady basically has a slave in this big black man? And then by <laughs> yeah, the end, they have that little tacked-on <laughs> bit about the... The racist neighbors. I'm like, oh, okay, that's George Miller addressing it at the last yeah. minute. Someone goes, someone says that to him and goes, oh, fuck, I didn't even think yeah. about that. I, I like, just wanted Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton yeah, in the movie together. Who wouldn't want that? But it's like, bring in the two racist neighbors just so we can at least acknowledge it. This is a passion project. And like Drew said, sometimes those passion projects, there's a reason they didn't get greenlit earlier. But this is still worth checking out. Just go in with uh, managed expectations. I give this six and a half out of ten billion dollars that I would have gotten if I could figure out how to put Idris Elba in a bottle. Because if I could do that, women all over the world would be knocking on my door. Dude, if you could sell bottled Idris Elba, forget about it. You'd be the richest man on the planet. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd be like... Bill Gates times a hundred. Yeah, you'd be like, no, but this one's for me. Yeah, good merchandise tie-in. For <laughs> I am movie, just I going to pour liquid Idris Elba all <laughs> over myself, and then in a horrible monkey's paw fate, I will be mauled to death by every woman in the world. Yeah, right. <laughs> I more, much more enjoyed this movie than I didn't. I just think it's at the end, you just kind of all the excitement filters out of it in the last twenty minutes. You're just like, uh, uh, okay, now I'm tired. <laughs> you know, like, all right, I mean, sure. It's not like it's a bad ending. It just takes too way, way, way too much of the movie where it should have been a sort of like, we wrapped all this up in five minutes. Should have, that whole third act should have been five minutes. And it easily could have been way too much time. I felt like they're acknowledging, well, this is going to have a big female audience. So let's make it a little more romantic. Okay. Sure. I guess. I mean, we're all dudes. So maybe I'd feel differently if I was 
I mean, I would sleep with Idris Elba, but you know what I mean. I'm not like a, <laughs> I may be a dude, but I'm a romantic at heart. I'll, I'll go for a romance movie and yeah. wasn't tugging on my strings. It wasn't man. tugging on my strings. But that being said, I loved all the, the storytelling sequences, but nowhere near as much as I loved just the two of them conversing in the hotel room and the give and take and them not trusting each other and the, like sort of like poking at each other to figure out where each other stands. I thought that was masterfully done. I would watch two hours if that was all there was. There was no flash to anything it was just them talking that would have been great i think it's pretty good i think more people are going to like this than don't i actually think in general audiences will probably respond well to this Hmm. it's not like super fast moving because it is ultimately a conversation movie but it does kind of go it's like here's a story now here's another story now here's another story and they're all lavishly shot and they're fun to watch and there's lots of like cool magic and even kind of horror moments in them and each one you know it's not going to end well because he's told you ahead of time none of them ended well and it's just how is it going to end badly so it's kind of fun playing into that i'll watch this again certainly but i agree with you guys when you say let's see the two of them again in anything else period yeah yeah, sure (laughs) uh i'm gonna give this seven out of ten severed heads that turn into giant horrible spider demon spider and then explode into about a billion other smaller demon spiders. Best part of the movie. (laughs) I hate when that happens. Man, I told you, you need to use protection. (laughs) Hey, you know, 